hot take, and it's that karma is pretty much synonymous with trauma. I am of the mind that our karmas that we can see evidenced in our birth chart, in our Vedic astrology birth charts, will give us a lot of insights. They will mirror the sort of traumas or stressors that we've experienced in this life. The hand that we've been dealt in life shows up in our birth chart, shows up and if we look back over our life and what traumas we've experienced, there will be a lot of overlap there. And that's kind of the point of studying our birth chart, one of them, right? So I bring that up because November, as I mentioned on the November Outlook episode, if you listen to that, it was actually only done as a Facebook Live, um, is all about shadow work with it being Scorpio season in Vedic astrology. So this episode is going to serve more to talk about why, what's happening astrologically that is bringing this stuff up, and then how to use your birth chart for shadow work, why this time of year, this right now is really indicating that astrologically, and then of course, some yoga practices and journal prompts to help work this into your life, because that's what a yogi scope is. You are listening to the Yogi Scopes podcast. I'm your host, Rosemary Holbrook, and each week I bring you a Vedic astrology update, but I don't just tell you about the astrology because that wouldn't be very meaningful to your life, right? I always end with yoga practices and journal prompts to help you embody the astrology, to help you make meaning of it in your life to, you know, that's like the point, I guess, that I get out of studying astrology. I was just asked this. By somebody yesterday was like, um, you know, what, what do you, why do you study astrology? What, um, use do you get out of it in your life or in your client's life? And that was the answer for me was, you know, it's, it's helpful to, it's a helpful tool for self-study. Like I was saying, to look back over the course of my life and see how those traumas or karmas are showing up for me, things I've had to work with, things I've had to learn and grow through and to then live more intentionally based on the hand I've been dealt, which one way to look at that is your karma is the hand you've been dealt, aka also the traumas and stressors and things you've experienced in your life that are unique to you, um, have your own little unique flavor on them. And then your dharma is your right life path. You're, if you just keep doing the next right thing based on the hand that you've been dealt, that is living your dharma. And that is what we find in our birth chart. But it's endlessly complex. There are endless layers of depth and detail that you can receive from studying your birth chart and all of the different layers. So where I kind of encounter people being stuck is they they want to understand it all to make sure they're not missing anything before they start acting on the information. So if that sounds like you, I think this episode will be helpful for you. So let's talk about why I'm bringing this up. Like why astrologically is right now a good time for this, what I'm calling shadow work. Maybe first I should define shadow work if I haven't been clear enough about it already. In my opinion, shadow work is um, looking at the harder parts of your experience. You know, we have our 
our light side, I suppose, our, our, our highlight reel that we might post on social media, the things about ourselves that we're proud of, want to share with others, that kind of stuff. But within us all, there are tougher emotions, tougher experiences to wrangle with. And that kind of stuff doesn't really ever go away, even if we are in a really quote unquote good time, like maybe life is going well, we're not, don't have many complaints. There's always a shadow to be wrestled with. And the shadow is the the parts of yourself that you might um, not want to share with other people. And so that can be good or bad. I think there is this like valence being associated with like the light is the good and the shadow is the bad. But the whole idea of shadow work is feeling really integrated with the parts of yourself that, um, like removing that valence, basically, just feeling integrated with the parts of you that may or may be more or less socially acceptable, I guess, uh, if that makes sense. And so that really comes down to working with tougher emotions. You know, we, we hear, maybe you've heard the term to- toxic positivity before. I actually did a whole episode about it on the science of light. I did a few episodes about it. If you, I haven't put that podcast out in like six or eight months now. It's coming back. I promise it was fun for me um, to do, but I've been building the big astrology for yogis course for the last six or eight months. And it just took up enough of my attention and bandwidth that I wasn't putting out new science of light episodes, but there, there's some good ones over there around, um, integrating emotions and not falling prey to that toxic positivity. Um, just always vibrate higher, always be in a good positive space, try not to complain like this kind of stuff that can be really invalidating to that shadow side of you, right? So that's the goal. And why astrologically is that extra indicated right now? Really, I think you should always be doing shadow work. Kind of like this summer when we had Venus retrograde, um, I was saying it's time to do inner child work. And that the Venus retrograde was like really bringing up inner child work just because it's over and we've moved on doesn't mean I think you should stop doing inner child work. Um, just hopefully you learned something during that time that you could integrate going forward. And same idea now, I think you should always be doing shadow work because it is Scorpio season demarcated by the fact that Mercury entered Scorpio last Monday, November 6th. And then tomorrow, as I'm recording this, actually, I'll probably put this out on Thursday, but I'm recording it on Wednesday, November 15th. So Thursday, November 16th, Mars is going to enter Scorpio and so is the sun on the same day. And that's basically what I would consider Scorpio season. So that's more of like a Western astrology thing, but it's kind of caught on and I kind of like it, um, saying that it's a season of whatever sign because really Mercury, the sun and Venus and like sometimes, so Mars is only there because of it's retrograde. It's been kind of tracking the sun most of the year because of its retrograde earlier this year, actually almost a year ago now, it started over last like December into January. Um, Anyway, Mercury, the sun and Venus all pretty much more or less move about one sign per month. And in Western astrology, whatever sign season is noted by wherever the sun is. It's like when the sun changes signs, now all the Western astrology people are like, It's whatever season, it's Scorpio season. So really, because Vedic astrology uses the sidereal zodiac, we're like a month behind. Like in Western astrology, I suppose the sun is moving 
to Sagittarius here pretty soon around the same time. I don't know. I don't really keep track of it that uh, closely, but I do like it's hard to not hear Western astrology speak because it's just what most people use, at least in the U.S. where I am in Western countries. Um, when people say astrology, they, they mean Western or Greek or Hellenistic astrology. And so as a person that uses Vedic astrology in the sidereal zodiac, it's hard to tune that out. So anyway, it's Scorpio season. Vedic astrology will focus on not just the sun, but it's when we have a buildup of energy denoted by three or more planets, which is known as a stellium, three or more planets in a sign. That's what I would consider that sign's season. And it's Scorpio season. So what does that mean, right? Scorpio is the natural eighth sign of the zodiac, meaning it has similar energies to the eighth house. And I always tell people that the eighth house in your birth chart is like the death card in tarot. And now I don't know, I just got a new tarot card, tarot deck like yesterday. And I don't, I like Oracle decks personally. I don't really know the tarot. I'm like, the tarot is another system of archetypes that can be used in the same way that astrology can. And I just kind of stick in astrology land because I know it really well. Um, and that's my system of archetypes for self-study that I use. But anyway, so I don't really know the tarot, but I am familiar with the death card. So I'm saying knowing the tarot is not like a prerequisite to understand this. But the death card in tarot, similar to the eighth house in astrology, as well as Scorpio as the natural eighth sign, is um, it doesn't mean like actual, like somebody's going to die or you're going to die death. It means like a part of you. It's, it's almost like ego death. Um, and I'm going to mention more about the ego in just a second, because that piece is important. Um, where another, another thing is like, we kind of villainize ego and I don't think we need to do that. I'm going to say more about that in a second, but the death card in tarot and, or Scorpio or the eighth house, these things are all about death in the sense of transformation, death and rebirth, death for the purpose of rebirth. That's a very, that's what the archetype is all about. Um, where you can't really step into a new whatever, like you're trying to manifest or do or be, you can't really step into that without letting some less aligned way of showing up or identity or whatever go. Even if that thing that you're letting die, that identity, piece of your ego, situation, relationship, role, whatever, um, even if it's good, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing that you're letting go. You are just letting something fall away in favor of something that is more aligned. And so that's kind of the energy of Scorpio and the eighth house and the death card in tarot, right? Um, and so with these planets moving to Scorpio, that's Scorpio season. So that's one reason why shadow work is kind of indicated right now. But another reason, another big reason, is the shadow planets of Rahu and Ketu, which I did, if you want to explore that more, it's really, there's a lot to it, and I covered them on two separate episodes. I did one, ep actually several, one episode about eclipse season, one episode about Rahu and Ketu actually moving signs, which they did right at 
um, it was Monday, October 30th, and then another episode about a, for each sign. I, I talked for like 10 minutes for each sign, what this big shift would mean for you individually. So if you want to revisit those resources, I highly recommend it. It's also in written format in the membership. If you want, like people tell me it's helpful to be able to just glance at it and, and it kind of jogs your memory instead of having to listen, re-listen to all the podcast episodes. But if you have time, I do recommend doing that too. Um, anyway, Rahu and K2 just changed signs two weeks ago. They changed signs uh, once every 18 months, once every year and a half. So this is still pretty new and they're the shadow planets. They are the karmic planets in Vedic astrology. K2 is your past life karma or, um, things, karmas that you maybe worked through in a past life. And that could mean literally if you subscribe to the belief system of reincarnation, cool. It could mean that, but it could also mean like, I don't know, sometimes I tell people I was a guitar teacher in a past life. Like, I, you know, I was an engineer in a past life. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm not those things now. I am, that was when I was like a teenager and in my early 20s and now I'm an astrologer, right? Um, so those things kind of feel like a lifetime ago. We can experience what feels like several lifetimes in one, uh, jaunt on planet earth, right? One, one actual lifetime, you know? Um, and so that's really what we can see that by the transits of Rahu and Ketu and that kind of stuff I covered way more in depth on those episodes that I mentioned, but basically it's important to know that wherever they go, whenever they change signs, which they just did, um, there's going to be new, shadow work to do, new karmas being dragged to the surface, new uh, traumas brought up, right? And it will have to do with wherever they moved in your birth chart, like what houses they're affecting now. And so I covered that in depth on those episodes if you want to revisit it. Um, I'm just telling you that that's another reason that shadow work is indicated right now. And um, so like I mentioned, karmas and traumas are synonymous in my mind. We study our birth chart because it shows us our karmas and our dharma. It shows us our, like the hand we've been dealt in life. And based on that hand we've been dealt, therein lies our dharma. Like what should we be doing in this lifetime, in this planet earth? And the way I look at dharma, the way I understand it is following your dharma means easing the suffering of you know, collective suffering of humanity, of the world, of living beings by being the person you needed when you were younger, like looking at your hand you've been dealt, what skills you've gained through the living you've done, what karmas you've worked through and trying to prevent others from going through that similar suffering because you have, um, experienced it and, and you're like, you notice a need like that is living in your dharma. That is your true purpose. And that's the way I look at it. Um, you can try that on for size and see if that feels true for you about Dharma. But I don't think this is like where I think I see people get kind of tripped up is people are like looking for some kind of um, like just show me the way like they're in the weeds of their birth chart looking at all the individual placements and not thinking of it through a lens of like 
what is the whole picture here? What skills do I have? What things have I been through that maybe are also validated by my, by my birth chart? So there's all these techniques you can do. Like there's Dharma houses, which are um, one, five, and nine. The first house, fifth house, and ninth house are known as the Dharma houses. Um, you know, there's it, there's like ways to look at that in your chart. There's all these techniques. Or like what I'm saying, looking at Scorpio whatever house Scorpio's in and all the in things to interpret about that. Um, and the eighth house could be good indicators of where you need to do shadow work. But that just, it gets really complex. Like I was saying, it's, um, there are endless layers of depth. And my hope for you is that you are able to glean something from your chart and from your understanding of your own chart without having to know all of the endless layers of depth. And so this feels like a good time to bring up. I'm, I'm still going to get to what um, a good time for, a bad time for, and yoga practices and journal prompts for your shadow work. But um, the whole point I was hoping to make of the episode is that there's evidence in your birth chart um, of where shadow work is indicated for you, of like what harder karmas you need to work through. And it will be related to where Scorpio is in your chart, what house that's in, any planets you have placed there, etc. Um, your eighth house placement and interpreting that. Also, to understand your Dharma, you will want to look at the one, five, and nine houses, among other things. But then I'm telling you that as an astrologer, because I understand many of the layers of depths. I don't know everything, but I've been at this for a while, and so I, I do know a lot of the layers of depth to interpret your chart, but you might be like, okay, so I'm looking at where Scorpio is. I'm having a hard time deciphering like what even house that is. And then I have to like go and look up like, what does that house mean again? And then I'm reading all this stuff and some of it resonates and some of it doesn't. Right. So that is why I made the birth chart basics course. And I actually got some feedback from one of the first people, the beta testers, when I ran a beta round of this course back in like August, one of the beta testers told me that they were still unclear about how to apply it. They were like, okay, great. Now I know how to understand my birth chart. I'm still having a hard time seeing um, how this, the practical applications, how to apply this to life. And so um, I'm going to address that this weekend in the birth chart basics workshop. So anybody who has uh, take in the birth chart basics mini course, even if you haven't done the content, if you've signed up for it, um, you get to come to quarterly live Q and A's with me and you can just, you can bring your chart. You can basically consider it a mini reading or we can have a like focus. And so this time the focus will be on that shadow work and on the things I'm mentioning on this podcast episode, um, on looking at your, interpreting your Scorpio placement, interpreting your eighth house placement, interpreting your Dharma houses, those kind of things we can look at, but we can also look at anything you want. Like, I don't care um, if you want to take it in a different direction and ask a question about something else. That's fine. That's what those Q&A sessions are designed for. And so um, I will be sending an email out with the Zoom link to everybody who is in the course and also folks in the membership are eligible for that too, to come to that live session this weekend. Of course, it's recorded. Um, and you can get the recording in your portal thing. Um, but the whole thing is 
the, the interpretation techniques that I talked about in Birth Chart Basics, you can get through the course in an hour and understand what you're looking at when you're looking at your birth chart. But they're literally, they literally apply to everything. So when an astrologer, or like what I'm saying right now, says something like, to understand this, you need to look at Scorpio in your eighth house. And then you look at Scorpio in your eighth house and you're like, I still don't know what this is telling me. Like, thanks for telling me to look there, but I still don't know what it means. Um, that is what the birth chart basics mini course is designed to do is to tell you how to interpret anything. So when you want to know about, I don't know, somebody asked me recently about their maternal grandmother's health. It, uh, the birth chart basics course teaches you where, how to know where to look for that very specific request and how to know how to interpret it in and so that's why it's like pretty general because it's like these are the techniques that you apply to literally anything you want to know about, whether it's shadow work, whether it's your dharma, whether it's how you're, you know, what's on the horizon for your maternal grandmother, whether it's should you stay in this relationship. All of these things are in your birth chart. But I hear you that it looking at trying to learn your birth chart is like there's endless rabbit holes you can go down it can be super overwhelming and confusing and folks often tell me that they're like I've consumed all these resources like I think I'm getting a pretty good handle on it but I still feel like I'm missing the whole picture like I'm there's something like the dots aren't connecting and that's what this mini course is designed to help you connect the dots and so you can do that um, if you want to sign up for the mini course before Sunday, two options to either sign up for the mini course, the birth chart basics mini course, you go to yogiscopes.com slash offerings and you sign up before Sunday, you can come, um, to our live session, or you can just catch the next one. It'll be three months from now. Um, or you sign up for the membership by Friday because the old price is closing on Friday at noon Eastern time. Um, and it, the membership will just be closed until I announce the tiers next Friday, the, what is that? 24th, November 24th, I will be announcing the new tiers to the membership. And for anybody that is in the membership by this Friday will be grandfathered into the highest tier, which will involve yoga therapy sessions with me. So it's super awesome. Check it out. But okay. So if you're not interested in that stuff, um, or whatever, you're like, maybe it's not the right time. You're still wanting to figure this out on your own, which is, you know, I'm like, that's what the podcast is for. If you want to DIY it, um, that's what this free resource, the podcast is here for you. If you want to DIY, um, or I've created those containers of various levels of support based on what your, uh, you know, if you want the ongoing commitment, a higher level of support, but it requires commitment from you. That's the membership. If you want, um, just kind of like a quick win with, with no big commitment. That's the mini course, right? And you can find both of those at yogiscopes.com slash offerings. Anyway, um, you will want to look at your Scorpio placement as well as your eighth house. Those are the things you're going to want to try to interpret and you can muddle through it. You can try to figure it out, um, with, with Dr. Google all you want. Um, but just know that, like I was saying, Scorpio, death card vibes, uh, transformation, transformation of like this ego death thing that I mentioned comes from 
looking at your harder emotions, the harder things you've experienced, the shadow, right? Scorpio is this sign that's like known for darkness, right? Which also tracks because Scorpio season is when, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, which is FYI, where all of astrology was invented, like Western astrology and Vedic astrology, all invented, thought of, written down, passed down in the Northern Hemisphere because it either came from like, you know, the Greco-Roman area or India. And also these cultures kind of intermingled and mixed together. And we see evidence of that with the fact that there are Sanskrit words for the Greek signs of like Aries, Aries, Taurus, Capricorn. Those are all Greek things. And we have like Mina for Pisces. Like we have Sanskrit words for these things. Kumba for Aquarius, right? Um, that just to me shows that there was some, some intermingling going on with astrology, but all of it came from the Northern hemisphere and in the Northern hemisphere, as the planets, as Scorpio season is happening, Mercury, Venus, sun are moving into Scorpio. We are seeing the sun is out less in the Northern hemisphere. In the Southern hemisphere, it's out more. Um, but in the, in the Northern hemisphere, these are when our days are getting shorter. We are entering into the time of darkness. So in a literal sense, Scorpio season is entering into the time of darkness. In a more spiritual sense, it's a time to sort of dance with your shadow. And so I wanted to say more about that ego piece, because like I was saying, the ego gets like villainized, um, where, you know, if you like read the yoga sutras, I guess it's all about like getting rid of your ego entirely and I just want to point something out that that works if you're an ascetic, if you are going to be like a monk in a cave or whatever, you know, just meditating and, and being only in the spiritual realm, fine, get rid of your ego. There's no need to like even have a name or like quirks about you if you're just going to meditate in a cave and be a spiritual ascetic up, you know, on the hill on your little spiritual pedestal. But if you're going to be a householder, the Yoga Sutras were not written for people who had intentions to be householders. Like, I just want to point that out. Like, I think it's, there are other, there are folks out there that are like, if you're a householder, the yoga sutras don't even apply to you. Stop taking them out of context. I think there's like still value there, but you just have to apply what you're getting from the yoga sutras or other spiritual texts, other Vedic texts with the knowledge that they weren't written for householders. And if you are listening to a podcast, like on a smartphone or whatever, where your Alexa or whatever the hell you're listening to your podcast, this podcast on or YouTube, you're a householder. Like, sorry to break it to you unless you're going to give all that up and move to a cave and whatever, an ashram, whatever, uh, you're a householder. And so you can't really completely do away with your ego because you have to have an ego and an identity to exist in the world. Like you just do to be a householder. And so the goal should not be to completely rid yourself of your ego, but to just not let your ego control you, right? To not be, um, just pushed around by the wants and desires of your ego, of your flesh suit or whatever, you know? Um, so I just want to give that, that clarity and that context that like the ego is not the enemy as a householder, as a person who exists in the world with a job and a house and 
things that belong to you, to your ego, those things belong to your ego, not your spiritual self, if that makes sense, right? And so tantric philosophy, forgive me if I'm oversimplifying this, that's been my new um, pet project to study, new rabbit hole I'm going down is like tantric philosophy, um, and how it sort of differs from, it's like adds on to Sankhya philosophy, um, which is where Ayurveda and Vedic astrology sort of originated. This was Sankhya philosophy. Tantric philosophy is all about integrating that, um, that there is no separation between our, our Purusha and our Prakriti, our earthly self and our spiritual self, right? So that's what I'm hoping the whole idea of this shadow work is about, um, sort of integrating that, integrating the spiritual self, not being controlled by your ego self, not being just pushed around by your earthly desires, but also like, you just can't, like, you have to have those things, right? Um, and so not being so like ungrounded in the spiritual realm, like how do you exist in this world grounded in reality and not losing touch with your spiritual self, but not losing touch with reality, right? Like that's the work that's, you know, kind of what shadow work is about. And so, um, I've heard it compared. This actually came from, I'm listening to an audiobook right now called how to be more loving. And it's by, I want to say Danielle Laporte. I could be getting that wrong. If you want to know, you can ask me, you can send me a message on social media or something. I'm at Yogi Scopes on Instagram or on Facebook. I'd be delighted to hear from you in the Yogi Scopes Facebook group, the Yoga Horoscopes Facebook group. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Danielle Laporte, How to Be More Loving. And so in her chapter on in that book, um, she was talking about basically the ego is the shadow and the light is our spiritual self. And so, you know, the brighter a light gets, the more shadow there is. Like, you ever been outside on an over, overcast day? I actually, when I was a kid, I had a friend whose mom was a dermatologist and she said, if you can see shadows, then you are getting sun exposure, right? Um, so apply that here. So she was saying, and like, we were like at the pool. That's why that this, it just sticks out of my memory. I was at the pool with my friend's family. Her mom was a dermatologist and I was like, I don't need sunscreen, you know, cause I was like eight and didn't want sunscreen. I wanted to get in the pool. And she was like, I was like, I don't need sunscreen. It's cloudy out. Right. And she was like, look under that chair, that pool chair, there's a shadow there. That means you're getting sun exposure, which makes sense logically, right? So you need to put on sunscreen. And so in this analogy, if you know you're outside on an overcast day and you're like, there's no shadows, right? Or like the shadows are very um, dim, right? And so when the sun comes out from behind the clouds, the shadows get darker, Okay, and so apply this to this analogy, this discussion that if the shadow is your ego self, your roles and identities, desires, these kind of things, and the light, the sun, the soul is your Purusha, your Prakriti, that um, spiritual divine connection spark, the brighter the light gets, the darker the shadows. And so that idea came from Danielle Laporte in um, how to be more loving. And I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. I'll look it up after this, but I'm, I'm in the flow, so I'm not going to stop to look it up. And so, uh, anyway, I didn't, that wasn't my idea. I liked the idea, 
but it makes sense that, so it's like the more spiritual you get, unless you are living in a cave, like as long as you still have that identity, that ego, that personhood of being a householder and existing in the world, which I hate to break it to you if you're listening to this podcast, that kind of makes you a householder, you know, <laughs> like it just does by nature of the fact that you have a smartphone or whatever device connected to the internet to listen to a podcast. Um, and I've said that before and I'm like, forgive me. Like if you're a monk listening to this, please let me know how that looks like, how that looks in your life. Um, but other than that, I think you're probably a householder, but, um, so yeah, so the more spiritual you get, the brighter the light within you grows. If you're kind of hiding in the shadows behind the clouds, whatever, um, it might be easier to have that integration. If that makes sense, are you tracking with the analogy that the, the sort of more you grow, the brighter you shine that light, which is FYI back to the karma and Dharma discussion when you're living in alignment with your dharma that comes from your places of karmas like the hand you've been dealt and you're like this is the message that the world needs that comes from me right that me is your ego it's the shadow side it's the harder things you've experienced in life and the light that you're sharing is casting a darker and perhaps even bigger shadow if that makes sense are you following the analogy so that's what I wanted to say about um, shadow work. And hopefully that tracks with how it is um, brought up by Scorpio season, by the nodes moving, and how looking at your birth chart can help you interpret the karmas uh, that are influencing your dharma. So hopefully you're tracking. And let's talk about um, what it's a good time for, bad time for, and your yoga practices and journal prompts for Scorpio season. So it's a good time for looking at how your emotions drive your behavior. That is shadow work, in my opinion, looking at your deep psyche and how your emotions are, or maybe even your emotions and things that you've experienced in a visceral sense are influencing your limiting beliefs, your behavior, how you show up in the world. And so it's also a good time for peeling back the layers and turning inwards. That's what, you know, this season that we're in is all about turning inwards, looking at yourself, looking at how your inner world shapes your outer world. And that will require you to peel back the layers of yourself, of your identity, your ego, all of these things to sort of get in into the depths, which is very Scorpio, get into the depths of how that is influencing how you show up. It's a bad time this Scorpio season for striving for goals that were set by outside forces. So if you're conceptualizing your Dharma up until this point as, or like what you're supposed to do in this life as things that you've seen others do, um, just kind of mimicking other people or like showing up for the goals that were kind of in a deep way set by your parents or society rather than by your own inner light of awareness, right? That's the the Purusha, the divine spark within ourselves that we're trying to get in touch with is that that guiding light that exists within you and you have to sort of muddle through the shadow of your human experience to get there, right? And so that's what shadow work is designed to unfold for you so that you can stop, strive. you can really truly have a deep awareness of was this goal, was this way of showing up in the world that I'm doing or being 
set by somebody else or is it really coming from a deep place of inner wisdom and awareness from inside myself, from internally, right? So that's what it's about. So it's a bad time for striving for um, external measures of success. It's a good time for tapping into what is your internal measures of success look like. So how do you get there? The yoga practices are pratyahara, which I mentioned on that November episode, which was only in the Facebook group. I apologize for not actually posting it to the places. Um, you can go back and listen to it in the Facebook group if you want to. Um, you just go to facebook.com slash groups slash yogiscopes to join. Or if you find the yogiscopes page on Facebook, there should be a groups tab that will take you there, but it's also just called yoga horoscopes and you'll recognize it looks very much like the picture on the podcast. Um, so yeah, so Pratyahara is indicated all month. And if you haven't listened to that, if you're unfamiliar with Pratyahara, it is sense withdrawal, turning inwards. It's, um, turning your awareness away from what you're hearing and where, how your mind is getting distracted by, oh, I heard something. That's why I was like, up until recently, I taught yoga in a gym and I always hear yoga teachers like, oh, I could never teach in a gym because the sounds are so distracting. And I'm like, well, that's the whole point is to get to improve your skill at not getting mentally distracted because somebody drops a weight in the other room or whatever. Or, um, you know, the whole idea is to facilitate your ability to turn your awareness inward, despite the constant craziness that will always be going on externally. You could follow the impulses of your system senses and and your physical body or you could practice pratyahara and turn your awareness inward despite what your senses are doing and so here are some new ideas of how one is to put your phone on do not disturb more often unsubscribe from email lists and can you tune out the noise as often as you can whether that's just i don't know not having music on while you drive or something or like whatever just take be intentional with the practice of not always having to have sensory stimulation as a practice if you can. And an additional way to do that is to just be in the void. Can you be in the void of, um, we're in a season of letting go. Like this whole season we're in is letting go, paring down. So can you let go of some commitments or obligations or ways of being without for a minute, just for a minute, having anything to fill the space yet. Can you intentionally say no to things so that you can keep space open in your life and in your being as a practice? That is the yoga practices for Scorpio season. So your journal prompt, I only have one and I would hope that you might explore it with your birth chart. What patterns, especially emotional patterns, have followed me around my whole life? And this is going to require a deep level of awareness. So what I hope that you do is that you free write on this until you start to um, get to the gold. That's why it's only one journal prompt because I, I want you to go deeper than surface level. That's the whole point. Maybe you just stick to what patterns have followed me around my whole life, ways of being, emotional patterns. And if you want to dive into it with your birth chart, please do so. Grab the birth chart decoder. If you want that extra layer of support, I'm telling you the birth chart basics mini course, you go to yogiscopes.com slash offerings. You can find it there um, to sign up. You can come join us live this Sunday. Um, the course is self-paced. You get immediate access to, it's like 11 lessons. They're all like five to 10 minutes. I'm telling you, you can get through it in an hour and understand what you're looking at and how to interpret it on your own. 
Um, and you also have access to the birth chart basics mini course in the reading and, or in the, in the membership. And for everybody in the membership by Friday, we'll be grandfathered into the highest tier, as I mentioned, which will be basically the membership as it currently is, plus six yoga therapy sessions with me and a reading. Um, it's like a new Jota therapy, what I'm calling it, uh, tier of the membership. And so for everybody that signs up by this Friday, November 17th at noon, you will be grandfathered into that. So you're also welcome to email me or message me on social media with any questions you might have ahead of that deadline on Friday. And I hope to see you, whether you're a member or just a, a person who has purchased the mini course in our live Q&A session this Sunday, November 19th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So until then, please keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Until next time, friends, take care.